Hi there. You're about to enjoy a recording made in Wellspring Church in central Watford. We're glad you've connected with us online. And of course, you can follow us on social media, even download the Wellspring app. But much better than this is meeting in person. We would love to welcome you to one of our services in a congregation near you. As you listen to this recording, know that we are praying for you to be encouraged, inspired, and given wisdom from heaven to live life to the full as Jesus intended and bring transformation to your world with his amazing love. God bless you. We are continuing our series on Heaven Sent, and uh, if you've been following at all with our Heaven Sent series, you'll know this is all about the presence of God and the mission of God, both of which we receive as his children or receive as his church. And today we're kind of moving into a new focus within this. We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, so I've got the uh, the privilege of kickstarting us off with uh, talking about spiritual gifts, and the particular one we're talking about today is uh, speaking in tongues. If you were here last week, John Andrews kind of broke that down a bit, so he's done the hard work, so I just get to ride it out. Um, But um, hopefully something of God will impart unto us today, and we'll hear more uh, from his word. I just want to ask that kind of question. When you, probably when you were younger, was there anything you ever really wanted, but you couldn't get in your own power? You couldn't get hold of it. You couldn't, maybe you couldn't afford it, but actually you just couldn't get it. You had no control of what you're going to get. Well, for me, I think of being a kid because you can't buy it. And I think of things like, you know, when you had cereal and you get all that promotional stuff in cereal and you're looking forward to getting something or maybe with a, a packet or crisps or just, just some sort of limited edition thing or maybe like from a Kinder Egg or Kinder Surprise. Well, here's a few things that uh, I've collected or like sought after when I was younger. I say younger, Lego cards only came out like last year. But uh, anyway, so here's the deal, right? When, when when you want something, when you want something that badly and you have, like, you have no power or control over what you're going to get, you, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters in life. And for me as a kid, Tazos, I'm showing my age now, Tazos were a little plasticky kind of circular thing. If you heard of Pogs, it was similar to that, that you'd get in crisps and they had Looney Tunes on them. So as a kid, I loved it. I loved Bugs Bunny. But the thing is with Tazos, you could only get certain Tazos in a different kind of crisp. My family was always into your standard, you know, your red, blue, and, you know, ready salted and cheese and onion, your vinegar one. But there was Doritos, and Doritos had a different kind of Tazo in it. And so, because I was desperate, I got the, I got the family to change crisps for the duration of the time Tazos was out. Now, football stickers is kind of a thing all my friends did, and uh, there were shiny ones, and you really want those as well. And so when you finish school, you go to the corner shop. And the thing that blew my mind is my friends, because I kind of did it for a bit, but I'm going to be honest, I was more into the Pokemon card kind of thing. I wasn't quite on the uh, Premier League kind of thing. But my friends would give up spending money on chocolate and food and things like that and buy these Premier League football stickers. I couldn't believe it, giving all that up. And they didn't have control over which shiny they'll get or what they'll get. And finally, Lego cards. Many of you who uh, shop in Sainsbury's, you'll know about this one. When you spend £10, you get a packet of four cards. And uh, not related, but for the duration the Lego cards were on kind of promotion at Sainsbury's, our shopping seemed to 
go up by 10 pounds. And that's, I don't know why, but that just happened because I was just desperate to complete that. Now, the exciting thing about spiritual gifts is we have a Father in heaven, God, who eagerly desires to give good gifts. And not just good gifts, but spiritual gifts. And that means give good gifts to the church, which means for all of us who have a relationship with God, none of us are exempt from his generosity of giving us good gifts. And I say it today, spiritual gifts for each and every one of us. And, I, and since I'm going being this bold and forthright, I may as well say speaking in tongues as well. And I do believe that is a gift that we all have the opportunity as believers to engage with um, but coming to talk about tongues, let's just get something uh, straight from the start. There are actually two applications, two distinct applications for the gift of speaking in tongues. And uh, uh, for the first one, uh, it's kind of to do with the gathering. So a gathered group of uh, believers. When, when uh, the gift of speaking in tongues is used, it's for the gathering to actually understand. Therefore, it needs to be interpreted. So tongues is really just speaking in another language. That's that's really what it boils down to. The Greek even says other languages. So this is speaking in tongues. And for it to be used in a gathering, for it to be interpreted, it needs another gift, the gift of interpretation. Okay? So that's one distinct use of tongues. And uh, uh, we won't be going into that one as much today. The second use or the second distinct use of tongues is for the personal use, for the individual use. And it's actually where the believer does not know what they are actually saying. They can't interpret it, but they speak it by faith. And it's actually something for them uh, and not for other people to take hold of and to use. And so we're going to be talking about that. Now, both of these uh, uh, gifts or both of these uses of this gift, you can find in uh, 1 Corinthians. And we're going to go there today. And this is, uh, Corinthians is a letter written by Paul. Paul was a, a companion of Luke, and we've journeyed through with Luke. And Luke wrote about uh, Jesus's life and then wrote about the Acts of the Apostles after. And so the Acts of the Apostles stars a bit of uh, Paul there. And actually, in Acts chapter 18, you have Paul establishing the church in Corinth. And he spent like a year and a half there. And so once he left, he sends letters back to continue encouraging the church or uh, discouraging them in certain behaviors or practices that don't come alongside the heart of God. And so today, if you've got your Bibles with you, um, it would be really good if you turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. But just to say again, if you want to look at uh, speaking in tongues in, in terms of the gathering, you'll find that in chapter 12. But we're looking at the personal use of the tongue, which is in chapter 14. So in chapter 14, I'm just going to read verses 1 to 4 uh, to you, and then we'll get right into it. So here's what Paul has to say. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. So just from this scripture alone, just going to put it up. And the, the, these are the two points I gain from this, and I believe for us as a church family to realize about the personal use of tongues. Simply one. It speaks, 
And therefore, also, you can sing to God. Okay, so it's to God. And it's not by you, it's by the Spirit. It says in the Scripture, it's through the Spirit. You speak, and because you can speak, therefore, you can sing. And actually, Paul references this later on in the chapter. But the second point is it also edifies the speaker. It builds up the speaker of the tongue. Again, not the speaker building himself up, but the spirit. The spirit's work is building you up. And so that's what personal tongues is. And we're just going to spend some time unpacking that. But what you can see, this is kind of like the theory side of it. But you can see personal tongues in action in in Acts chapter 2. That's Pentecost. Acts chapter 10. This is when Peter goes to Cornelius' house, somebody who's not a Jew. And then you get a bit more about that in chapter 11. And then chapter 19, in a place called Ephesus, we get to see, again, people speaking in tongues. And these tongues are the personal tongues. It's not to edify a gathering. It's actually for a personal believer. Now, the first point, to speak and to sing to God, to the Lord. Now, what we have to understand with speaking in tongues, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's always for and it's always been about God. It's about loving God and expressing our love for God. It's actually his praises in another language. It's about his pleasure. It's about him enjoying us. And he, the Lord God, Holy Spirit in you, speaks in you. Okay, this is something we need to understand and realize as a church family. The Lord at first speaks to us, to our hearts. And out of that, out of that overflow, we speak to God praises that we don't really understand. It's kind of unknown. There's a mystery about it. And what I love about that is because it's mysterious and there's mystery behind it, it has to be done by faith. And how do we please God? We can only please God by faith. So there is this level of not understanding, not being able to interpret that actually pleases God and blesses him because we're operating by faith. And you see this in the examples in Acts. But the interesting thing is, in these examples of Acts, what happens is they don't know about the speaking of tongues. They don't really know what's going on. This is all new kind of things. And it's unfolding. Acts of the Apostle is kind of like the first go at seeing how the church grows. And so they don't really know. So when Paul says eagerly desire these gifts of the Spirit, it can be quite a challenging thing. Well, they didn't even know. But I think what Paul's getting at here is the fact that all these four occasions in Acts, there's, a, there's an attitude of heart already there for them to receive. And so what you'll find in Corinthians, actually there's abuse of speaking in tongues. So <laughs> Paul's kind of talking about it in a negative way, which makes it a bit hard when I'm trying to talk about it in a positive way. But he really does like it. And you can see again in chapter 14, he talks about speaking in tongues more than anyone. So it is a good gift. But like any good gift, you can use it in the wrong way. And so Paul at length talks about love in the chapter that just precedes this in chapter 13. And I think it's worth us reading this to understand the love that we convey unto God. What is love to him? So in chapter 13, I'm just going to read it to you, verses 1 to 8. It says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It's interesting in this group of descriptions about love, Paul uses some negative ways to describe love, which to me implies Whenever you're writing, this is not what it is, it's because that is what is happening and you're countering it. So actually, if you think about it, in Corinth, people are using tongues, but here's the issue. There is envy in the gathering when this is happening. There is boasting, there is pride, there is dishonoring, there's selfishness, there's anger, and people are recording mistakes. People are making a big deal out of this. And Paul's saying, no, love trusts. You know, our life, whether we speak in tongues or not, our life speaks to God one of two things. And, and actually, your behavior in life speaks of one or two things. It either speaks of love, your behavior ultimately comes from a position of love, or your behavior comes from a position of fear. Okay? Love is about freedom. And in this case, it's freedom for God to work in your life and you having that freedom when God is working in your life to completely be set free to be who you're called to be. But actually, if you do, do not have love and not operating out of love, you're operating out of fear. And when you operate out of fear, this is, this is the sad thing about fear. You are operating out of your control. Yeah. See, love is selfless, but fear is about you, is about pride. And the thing about pride, it's a two-sided coin here. And uh, I think the issue with the Corinthians here, or the people in Corinth, is actually they were trying to puff themselves up by the use of the gifts of the Spirit. They were trying to say, actually, I need to earn it. I'm more. They needed to establish their own value. It couldn't be by a gift of grace. They were trying to merit it in their own right. They're trying to show their own importance. They're trying to add value to their lives when they didn't need to. But the flip side of this pride coin, when we fear, is that actually the control side is that, well, I want to choose what is good. I want to choose what is bad. I want to choose what is okay. And what that means is, basically, I don't trust your version of good. I don't trust your version of calling what is bad, bad. And this is how we come to God in our gifts of the Spirit. Do we allow God to say, this is a good gift? And this is what I want to give to you. Or do we say, I want to ride this out. I want to say what I want and what I don't want. I want to say what's okay for me to receive and what is not okay for me to receive. Love or fear? Love gives you freedom. Fear controls you. And this is the thing about love. When we accept God and when we love him, when we have our personal tongue, when God gives us this personal tongue, it's voicing love to him and it's for him. And guess what? It's by him. It's through him. It's not about you. <laughs> Otherwise, it's about your control. It comes to fear. It's not helpful. Now, here's the thing. Tongues is supposed to also edify the speaker, the one who speaks in tongues. And this edify basically means build up, develop, form you, help create in you something more of God. Faith being built up in you. It's incredible that even though the gift of uh, speaking in tongues is to lift up God, as we lift up God, we get built up. 
It's incredible because our purpose is found in lifting up God. You know, when you worship God, when you praise God, you in turn are being built into the purposes of God because that's what you were created to do. The same as in tongues. It's a fantastic thing that by doing that, we, we benefit as well. We grow to become more like him. So here's the challenge. To grow to be more like him is to lose who we are in some sense or to lose control, to let go of control. And so personal tongues is letting go of control. Here's the thing, though, but it's not lost, because I think we have it in our society today, oh, I don't want to lose control, that's terrible. It's not lost, it's just handed to God. God has the control. So personal tongues is letting go of control and trusting, trusting God has it. Just a quick testimony of when I first spoke in tongues. I was 17. I'd actually tried to speak in tongues before. It didn't happen. Broke my heart. Cried. It was emotional. Second time, I was in a conference and... Uh, the whole point was to speak in tongues. And so people came and laid hands on me, and I was praying, and I was like, oh, God, not again. This is going to hurt me. And um, as, as they were praying for me, the whole point was for me to speak in tongues. But I got into a dialect with God. And God was saying, will you give me control? The challenge was I cared so much about what my friends cared about me, even what my family thought about me. I cared so much about my image. And I think just through being raised in church, I knew if I spoke in tongues, something bigger was going to happen where it was either God living first in my life, living for him first, or actually losing, or, or the other of living for myself. And in this dialogue, I said, God, I remember it was so painful for me. God, I give over control. I don't care about what people think about me anymore. Come, come and have your way with me. And then at that moment, people were praying for me. I started getting these syllables in my head, just bouncing around. And I just started whispering them. And as I started whispering them, faith, something just started happening in me. And I was like, Oh gosh, this is happening. It is happening. There was like this sense of relief and then, and then sense of panic at the same time. Like, oh no, I've, I've given over control. God, what are you doing? And I started stringing these syllables together and I started speaking in tongues and I just kept repeating them. But more and more, you know, God was actually ministering to me about my fear of man through this. He was building himself in me whilst doing it. And that's what happened to me in my uh, kind of first experience of speaking in tongues. Personal tongues is letting go of control and trusting God has it. And this reminds me of one of my favorite verses in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. It says, lean not on your, not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him. In fact, before that, verse 3 talks about trust the Lord with all your heart. And I realized God in that dialect was actually showing me I hadn't, even though I journeyed with God and believed in God for a long time, I hadn't trusted him with my whole heart. And that's something I've got to continue. That's a discipline to keep trusting him. <laughs> How many of you know that if you've been a Christian from a young age into adulthood? The, the ongoing challenge to trust him with everything. That's what God was doing in my life. Now, I want to bring us to uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Well, in fact, it'll be on the board. You don't need to uh, change uh, the Bible scripture. So Acts 1, 8 and Luke 24, uh, 49, these are mirror verses written by the same author, Luke. And I just wanted to bring something just about the Holy Spirit here because it's really important. And it's important. We've, we've gone through this and spoken from it before. And I think we will return to it because these are important verses. But in both of these verses, it talks about the power of God when referencing the Holy Spirit and waiting on it. And I just wanted to encourage us because it is true, the Holy Spirit is powerful, but the Holy Spirit is not just power. The Holy Spirit is a person. Yeah. 
Okay, It's a personal person. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is a powerful person. Now, the reason I bring this up is because it's really important to realize when I was talking about love, love trusts. This is the challenge in modern day society when we don't understand things and when we have words like the spirit, okay? The spirit already, you start bringing up suspicion, start being wary of it. But if you understand the spirit, not just as power, but as a person, a person who loves you and cares for you, not only arms you with power, but accompanies you for the rest of your life, then it's easier to trust. It's easier to love. It's easier, easier to consider the freedom and in that freedom to receive what the Holy Spirit gives unto you. Again, it's not just about the gift. It's about the gift giver. And when you love the gift giver, then you allow the gift to come up. So that's simply what I wanted to say, just in terms of a correction. Just notice he is powerful, but he's also a person that we can trust. Finally, in talking about the Holy Spirit, it's really important that we realize the Holy Spirit fills us not to give him form, but so that we can be formed by him. Okay, and this is a really interesting concept. If you look in the Bible and scriptures, if you get alongside the language of the Holy Spirit, if you get alongside the language of it, you'll realize a lot of the time, actually the Spirit forms us. Thing is, I think in this day and age, it's very easy to say the word forms us because the word is a tangible thing. We use it all the time. But do we understand the spirit forms us? And when we get alongside this languaging, I, I think it's great that we think the spirit is something we can clothe and put on. But what you have to understand is the spirit doesn't clothe us. Okay, this, is, this gets alongside more biblical thinking. and It blows my mind. But actually... We are clothed on the Holy Spirit. Just think about that for a moment. If I'm the jacket and the Spirit is the person. Because this is the thing. We have to reverse our thinking because we think all the time because the Spirit is formless, right? We think we give it form. What happens if I'm the jacket? Formless, right? The, the reason this jacket is in front of you right now is because I'm holding it up. Without... Without me holding it up, the jacket's on the floor. Now, if the spirit comes into me, if the spirit puts me on, that means I have form. This jacket now has form. This jacket now goes where the spirit wants. This arm can move because the arm of the spirit is moving my life. This is complete control given over to the spirit. And I haven't got time, but you will see this through scripture Look at the creation of the world. Look at the spirit hovering over the waters. Yes, the word was spoken, but the spirit was there. Think about the forming of Adam. God breathed, okay? Think of Mary. Yes, overshadowed her, but what came within? The Holy Spirit bringing Jesus into being. And then you look at Pentecost. Look at the language. It's the Holy Spirit actually the one who, inform, who forms the church. I'm a bit hot, so I'm going to take this off. The Spirit forms us. So, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, a lot of the gifts of the Spirit definitely are for the church, for the body. But let's talk about the personal tongue. I've just told you the Holy Spirit forms us. Can I encourage you? This gift of the Spirit of speaking in tongues forms in us God as well and forms his praises within
So my final point where we're landing today is actually in edifying the speaker, personal tongues is forming the heart of God in you. And I'm going to finish with kind of this final kind of testimony. Over the time I've spoken in tongues, I've definitely realized I've become more courageous. I've let go and uh, God has led my life. That doesn't mean at times I haven't fought for control. That doesn't mean sometimes I haven't been like, God, give me back the steering wheel because you're driving the wrong way. You know, like (laughs) sometimes I've asked God to just be in the car whilst I've driven. Sometimes I've tried to take control or be the backseat driver. But actually, if the Holy Spirit is to form in me God's heart, I need to give complete control over. Now, when I speak in tongues, it may have started with just some syllables strung together. I continued to speak in them and speak in them and speak in them. And I realized as I was speaking, maybe I just said a phrase at first, but as I began to speak them, I realized I started feeling deep emotion when I was doing this. And so remember I said it can be singing to God and loving God. That's what it is. I felt a deep sense of intimacy as I spoke these tongues. Yeah, there was an inner monologue when I first started like, well, what could this mean? What's going on here? Is this me or is this you, God? That was going on. I'll be honest with you. But the more I practiced it, the more I spoke it, the more just the heart of God took over. I realized I was speaking lovingly to him, intimately to him. Now, my wife does not want me to sing. And I thank God that he actually doesn't mind. and He doesn't rebuke me when I sing. He doesn't rebuke any of us when we worship him. He loves it. Doesn't matter how bad you are. It really doesn't. He, he sees it all the same. Just because Johnny can sing better than me doesn't mean the love of God isn't present. But I realized as I continued in this way, there's certain things I need to encourage you. God showed joy in my heart sometimes when I speak in tongues. I just feel a delight. I feel His presence. Other times, I feel like it, I'm going for something. I don't know what I'm going for, but I realize maybe this is God's heart of declaring who He is. You know, sometimes I'm just, I'm just announcing who He is. I don't even know what I'm saying. But God is using my tongue and he's announcing truth about him. That's what I feel in my heart. And now God starts building faith in me so I can realize this. Sometimes I'm just speaking really quickly. That's not the tongue, but that's like the, the attack of the tongue. And I just realize, gosh, I think I'm declaring over an area or I'm just establishing God's throne somewhere. I'm asking for God's kingdom to come. I'm interceding. That's a crazy one as well. And then when I've started to think about this, I've only started to think about this in the last two weeks. I've realized maybe I actually have more than one tongue. But like, I don't want you to be so self-examining. But if you lose control, if you give control over to God, and if you stay in that place of trusting Him, having faith in Him, you'll see He starts to build. So whether you haven't spoken in tongues or whether you do speak in tongues, I really believe God wants to form more of himself in you. And the Holy Spirit wants to do that. And he wants to do that today. He eagerly desires to build you up for his glory, not for your own. And so in just a moment, we're going to give an opportunity to speak in tongues. Um, But I think what's really important first and foremost is actually to Lean not on our own understanding, but trust the Lord with all our heart. So I believe, Johnny, you're going to sing a new song. And I think it'd be really good, Jess, to let this song minister over you. Remember, when you eagerly desire something, nothing else matters. And yes, we are talking about speaking in tongues. But let's bring it to God. Like I said, God had that inner monologue with me. 
Does nothing else matter? Do I just want God? I'm willing, Lord, to let go of control. And I'm willing to have your love build me up. So Holy Spirit, right now, would you come and fall all over this place? And would you speak to our hearts? Would you show us, Lord, anybody here with the heart after you, would you show us what area of our lives we need to relinquish control right now? Lord God, where we have held on to the control of which you wanted to shape, mold, and make and form in us, right now, right now, would you start ministering to us in this building, in this room? Where do we need to hand over control and trust in you? Come, come Lord. Thanks for listening to this recording. We hope it has encouraged you, challenged you, and more than anything that you've heard the voice of God and been aware of his presence with you wherever you are. Do share with us any answers to prayer or get in touch if there is any way we can help you further on your journey with God. Come and see us on Sunday or you can email us at admin at wellspring-church.org. May God be near you and his peace be yours for the remainder of this day. In Jesus' name, amen.